Welcome to episode 37 of That's What I'm Saying, the podcast about hip-hop, entertainment, dating, sex, relationships, and social issues from a sometimes ratchet but mostly woke perspective. So subscribe to That's What I'm Saying, the podcast. We're in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastPod, TuneIn, and of course, we're on Spotify. So I'm Sean. I'm Nye. What's up, y'all? What up? So what do we call this episode, Nye? It's the remix to ignition. Let's put our Kelly in prison. Mm. All right, we're gonna get right into it. First, I want to shout out all our listeners in Nigeria. Wits and Dan, Wahala, y'all. We see you. Woo-hoo. All right. So first, I just want to touch on by now. I think everyone has seen or heard of the Netflix movie Bird Box. Um, it was released on Netflix, I think a couple of days before Christmas. Um, where basically everybody goes around wearing blindfolds trying to survive this unseen predator that makes them commit suicide. So it stars Sandra Bullock. Um, and, you know, it was one of those movies. Netflix was really good in terms of the marketing of this thing because it's the first thing that popped up while you're sitting around with your family trying to figure out what to watch that everybody can kind of see. Um, it was a horror movie, kind of like a thriller, something like that. Um but the funny thing was that Netflix had originally promoted the bird block, the bird box challenge, which would basically had like these gamers, you know, playing the game blindfolded. <laughs> but of course, you know, you're, you're 25, 20s. And then even us, <laughs> it sparked all these other bird box challenges. So I don't know if you saw this. Girl, we, we ran it into the, the mud. Like it was so many. <laughs> <laughs> so the bird box challenges were basically they had people video you know and facebook uh blindfolding themselves trying to do everyday activities so you know you had people walking in the doors falling downstairs there was one meme or one video i saw where the man was blindfolded and he's running with this little kid in his arms and he runs into the wall and the kid like hits the wall funny but like dangerous just mm-hmm. This y'all taking it, just taking it to the next level. So as we do, <laughs> as we do, um, the, another one I saw was really funny with, uh, with the girl was putting on makeup blindfolded, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just, just doing too much. So, I mean, it went so far that Netflix had to actually issue a warning for people to stop doing all this. Did mm-hmm. you, <laughs> what do you think? Girl, I, the memes had me dying. <laughs> there was one, and this is funny, not funny, but there was one where this man was, he was blindfolded. He was holding his kid and he was like, um, you know, they, they talk about raising my, my child support and the kid ain't have a blindfold on. I was like, that's so funny. <laughs> Stop it. That, that was like how Mallory, how, how Sandra Bullock was going to do girl in the movie. <laughs> that ain't even funny. Ain't even funny. Um, it was so, it was like, First of all, I, I think, you know, the movie was, it's a, it really was like a viral movie. Because when you get down, it was a good movie, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. like how people talk the about plot it. Has been, it has been done so many times. What What do you mean? The plot. So there was like uh, oh, yeah. the, the happening that, that um. yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah. M. Like Shyamalan, The Happening, yeah. and what's the other one? Um, the Quiet Place. The Quiet, the Quiet Place. Place. Yeah. So this is a, it means it's a plot that's been done before, but it was it was well executed. You know, normally yeah. normally these movies like this are sometimes they're kind of cheesy to me. Um, but yeah. they, I think this was was well executed, and I think the um by them not 
actually having like the monster or the evil per evil person have like a, a visual, it kind right. of made it like more interesting. Because most times when you have these scary movies and you see the the enemy or the monster, it's like y'all running from this. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's all. <laughs> you you right. It. it it made it actually, and that's why I guess it it uh, borders between a thriller and a horror because it wasn't necessarily you didn't see whatever this evil was. I mean, it could have been a mist, it could have been like some a virus or something. I don't really didn't really know what it was. I just think the the fear that it instilled. I mean, I liked. I actually I liked the movie. It 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 did exactly what it was supposed to do. Was you know my family was here. It was around the holidays. We had a movie that we could all kind of actually watch together. So. Mm -hmm. um, it did its job. So I, I liked it for that. Um, but can we talk about Sandra Bullock and her picking Travante Rhodes for the film? She was actually quoted as saying that um, if he wasn't in the film, she wasn't going to do it. Did you know that? She like was in love with this dude. Yeah, I saw an interview where she was just kind of fawning all over him. And I understand because this man is fine. <laughs> Even though he was in the movie, the trick me movie, the one that tricked me. Oh yeah, yeah. But he was like, but even what? still, even it, he was even more fine than that movie. Girl, he was so chocolate with them gold teeth. I was oh, like, I know. I saw, girl, I saw it. I'm still mad at that movie, though. I don't, yeah. you know, just like <sighs> <laughs> y'all could have told me. Y'all could have gave me the plot twist. But anyway, I, I think he's a fine. She she calls him quote unquote a glorious man. Um, another quote that she said, what, what was it? She said, that's the father that I would want my children to have. That's the kind of representation that exists in a lot of places, but we don't see it in films. <laughs> she said, if I walked away and I said, if we don't cast him, we don't make this deal. I'm just gonna, she was like, I was very dramatic. I'm just gonna walk away. Uh, <laughs> like, just, okay, she was trying to fuck for real. <laughs> she was like, he better be in this. You know, you know, the fixation that uh, they got. And because I got you this role, we gonna fuck. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's, all, it's already in your contract. Don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. I'm mad though, because he is fine. Know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> okay, Trevante. Wait, I was I was so so mean and mean when they were saying like, like for real. If if that had been us up in there, you know, we would have had girl, boy, he, she, them, they, who. <laughs> We would have had a whole slew of kids. I promise you that. Because we would have been fucking all the time. We ain't got nothing else to do. We ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> Come on over here, daddy. Bird <laughs> box, chicken box. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. What else? All have? right. Moving on. This, this next story is just so hilarious because, you know, you know, Nigerians are are the stereotype of Nigerians is that they are they're scammers. They, they just scam they're innovative. Them. They're 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 entrepreneurs <laughs> that will take your money. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the, the thing is, is that it's not only like Americans that say that. Even Nigerians and Africans say that. Like they say, if you go to Nigeria for the first time, do not go by yourself. <laughs> this is, you know, I I had I had two I have two friends that were Nigerian, but both of them were for dip from different tribes. And the one used to say about the other was like, don't, don't, don't send her to the bank. Like for real, like it's <laughs> terrible. Like, and if, and, and the one was told like, if you ever are on in the bank online and the teller is Nigerian, get on another line. That's what they tell them. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so the mercy. first thing about this, we know, you know, for years, the whole running joke is like these Nigerian scammers. The prince of Nigeria is looking to needs to needs you to 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 funnel some funds because when they ain't got no princes, man, they got an inheritance and he needs to get the money. So if you send him whatever, <laughs> then you get all this money back. Okay. So the funny thing about this is the Nigerian prince in quotation marks, air quotes, is Michael New, a 67-year-old Louisiana white man <laughs> down there eating crawfish and beignets, taking <laughs> motherfuckers' money. <laughs> Yo. So he he faced 200... They need to do a documentary on this. For real. Like, for real. I, I need to see this from the beginning to the end. How did you do this? <laughs> right. Let me get my painted pad. I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, no. But he faces 269 counts of wire fraud and money laundering after being taken into custody following an 18 month investigation. Shit. <laughs> Yo. I think this is just so hilarious. This middle what? A, a countryman, a Cajun man, is, is running a scam. Yo, this sounds like the makings of an Amazon book. I'm about to put together. <laughs> Somebody interview this dude and put together an Amazon downloadable pamphlet. Like, really, how did this happen? I, I need. I really need to. Want, I really want to know this story. So, yo, Dateline twenty twenty. Somebody come through. <laughs> somebody yo, come through. Yo, they was watching him for eighteen months. <laughs> eighteen months. Eighteen months. This this motherfucker was sitting on his screen porch. <laughs> I can't. I can't. So I'm wondering, like, where did he get the people to scam? Because what I I had read a report that was saying, like, you know, Americans are so hip to it. Like now they go to like the Netherlands and other countries because this is, you know, the scam is like relatively new for these for for you know for foreigners outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, where, you know, where was he sending these phishing emails? I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just, I just I'm I'm pretty I'm thinking they just probably buy email addresses from somewhere and they just send them out. You know, Yo, this is brilliant because you see who was behind it, though. He really had this connection with his co- co-conspirators, but they're in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just cast a wide net and catch whoever they can catch. <laughs> I re- you remember getting these emails like back in the day and, you know, no. I would read them all the way through. You read all the way. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you a story, a dumb story. <laughs> Because hindsight is always 2020. Always 20 motherfucking 20. So it, it wasn't me. So, you know, back way back <laughs> it in the day, it, it wasn't me. Way back, like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago when I was living in Florida, you know, mm-hmm. me and my ex were together. And he had a he had a um a habit of, of fishing through my emails. So <laughs> I had gotten one of these emails from one of these scammers um that was in England. This dumbass called them on my phone. <laughs> It was a $45 phone bill. (laughs) First of all, the email came through spam. (laughs) It it was broken ass English. Like, come on, dude. Come on, idiot. I need to wire you a million dollars. Okay. (laughs) Does that even make sense? Does that even make like this? But this really happened. Come on now. Use your brain. Yeah, I you know I I I too have a t- story. It wasn't me, but it was somebody <laughs> I was very close to, and you know it was it was it it turned out to be a dude in Nigeria. But the whole it was like a whole scam, and he was like 
it was this whole story. And I'm like listening to her tell this story. This sounds so good. Like the dude is, he works on a, a ship. He's like a shipman and he's out to sea all the time, but you know, so he can't get his packages. So the packages had to come to her. And I'm talking about like, he, at one time there was an order of like a hundred Garmin navigation, little handheld navigators. What? Yes. Like, and, you know, they were coming to her house and he needed her to ship them to a location when he boarded, when he got to the dock off the ship. It was like crazy. But the sad part was like she believed it, it, it was believable to her. And, oh, they were supposed to meet for or on um, what was it? Uh, Valentine's Day. And of course, you know, it never happened. And you just like <laughs> you, it was sad. I mean, you laughing and I can laugh now, but it was so sad. I'm, and, and, you know, at the time, like I didn't want to say anything to her like I I didn't want to say like I don't believe it because I remember he showed her a picture and the dude looked like the Marlboro man I was like this look like the Marlboro man it's <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds> familiar <laughs> but I'm like okay <laughs> you like it I love it let's, let's move on I couldn't even bring myself this the early now I'm with but at the time I was like mate I don't know if I don't know <laughs> Like all of this through email, <laughs> it was all email, and they never like crazy. They never talked on the phone. But now I understand like the scams have got so sophisticated. You know, they have voice changers, and they can you know the males can talk like they're women, and it, it's 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 ridiculous. It's wow. ridiculous. Yeah, I thought actually you were gonna tell the story. Did you hear about the the? This was actually a Zimbabwean scammer who was selling tickets. He was a pastor at church, but he was selling tickets to heaven. Five hundred dollars, golden ridiculous. tickets to heaven. Girl, ridiculous! I have seen some of the most ridiculous things. Like, <laughs> yo, but the tickets was written on a piece of wood. He had it was like magic marker on a piece of wood. <laughs> oh boy, I'm telling you, niggas and their nigga shit. Oh, anyway, passes carrying hoes from their wholeness. <laughs> Making them take their panties off. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Uh, all right. All right. All right. The ratchets and the ratcheter. All right. Moving on. Where are we now? All right. We had the woke minute. Uh, we had the kitten heels time. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I got to put my, my for real bifocals on. I think I need bifocals. <laughs> uh, you better not. <laughs> Girl. Well, I am of a particular age. <laughs> Anyway, I got them on now. All right. So I can tell us. Can I tell a quick story? It's not really a story, but like, girl, I thought my eyesight was bad. <laughs> oh, wait. For everybody out there, I have, I have never, I've never known a time when my eyesight was like the greatest. I've always worn glasses or contact and, and I cannot go outside without something on my eyes, but not over here. <laughs> It's in complete denial that she can't see very well. So don't hand the moral of the story is don't hand nine nothing to read. If you see. <laughs> she will do the old lady like put this away three feet away from your face and then bring it back in. <laughs> I gotta get my I gotta adjust my eyes. eyes to, for your eyes to adjust. <laughs> I'll be like, just forget it. Help me read it. <laughs> Girl. It's okay. You got it. It's all right. They got they got so many they got contacts. You get little glasses. Just 
something. <laughs> so now her old lady, you gotta give it. I'm about to, I'm about to get that fixed. So you know what? Get her spectacles. You need some spectacles. <laughs> something. Get you a, what they call it a um monocle. It's like one little glass. Right. I need a I need a magnifying glass for real. <laughs> For real, okay. you know, I see them old men with them magnifying glass. I'm like, dude, just give it up and, get, and do braille because you got the eye, you got the magnifying glass right up on your eye. You got the picture right on the magnifying glass. Like, all right, ciao, ciao. Think y'all want funny? That's not that's not to be something for you. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm last, but that is funny. All right. Kitten Hills time. Go all ahead. Right, right. Moving along. All right. So I'm pretty sure everybody has been, um, well, at least the, the people I know had, have been glued to their TV watching this six part documentary on a docuseries surviving R. Kelly. That was, Absolutely. that was on um, Lifetime. I think it started on uh, Thursday. And when I tell you this has me traumatized it has it's shaken my soul um like it's it's just so unbelievable how his reign of terror has lasted what 20 something years and you know let me get myself together because all right so the first two episodes um really just kind of talks about his time you know growing up in chicago um he was raised by a single mom he had two a younger brother, an older brother, and an older sister. And um, he talked, well, he didn't talk about it. His brother, Carrie uh, Kelly, was, you know, being interviewed. And he, you know, he talked about how they were both molested by a family member. He didn't name the family member on this documentary, but I saw something else mm -hmm. online that, um, you know, he named their older sister. Wow. Who wasn't a part of this Surviving R. Kelly documentary? No, she wasn't a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um so I guess you can say alleged, I don't know. Um, but he says from the time that he was, you know, this probably happened maybe for like five years. Nikki said he started with him when he was six and R. Kelly said when he was 10, nine or 10, I believe. Yeah. He lasted for like five or six years. And their mother worked um, and went to school. And so she left them in the care of their older sister and she just really just took advantage of them. So, you know, this kind of kind of lays the, the background to, the person that we have now, the monster that we have now. Um, so, you know, he, you know, he was in high school and um, while he was in high school, he was really developing his craft and he really was, everyone that talks about him says he is a musical genius. He really is. Yeah. Um, the way he can put mu music together and, um, and form, form songs. And he's, they, he's just a genius. Um, but his, his, uh, his popularity really skyrocketed once he left school um, but it was known in Chicago that he would really like canvas the high schools, Kenwood High School to be exact. He would canvas this school and in malls for young girls. Like he had a, a type, like 15 to 14 year olds who have, you know, who are um who are just at that point of reaching puberty. Yeah. Still look like a little girl. And regardless of whether this, regardless of whether they're, you know, fully developed or not, these are still little girls. But he had a type. And he really went scouting for these girls. And it wasn't just him. He had a, you know, he had scouters who would go out and get yeah. girls. He had other young girls who would go out and get girls. And the things he did to them is just mind boggling. It was it, just. Uh, girl, 
I, I can't, I'm listening. I'm listening. I, I, I want to interject because I'm just, you know, I mean, I think we all kind of went down the rabbit hole. We've been, you know, this is, it's not like we haven't been hearing this for like years. I, somebody said in the documentary is like, we've been knowing this for like 30 years. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a really long time. It's been a long time. And it's one thing to kind of like hear about, you know, kind of hear through rumors and hearsay, but to actually hear it from someone's mouth, you're seeing them like who was actually there and experiencing this is their memory. And, and, you know, I'm looking at these women who are on TV, just, really telling their stories and all the emotion that they have and they're crying and they're still traumatized 20, 20 years later, they're still traumatized, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was the first and second episode. Um, the second episode, you know, talked about his relationship with Aaliyah. Yeah. And how he was introduced to her through her uncle, Barry Hangerson, which was, I believe was his, um, his manager. It was his manager at the time. Which mm -hmm. makes it kind of sick to me as well because it 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 wasn't a secret what he was doing with these girls. So if you see that he's yeah, going, yeah, I I actually believe that um, her uncle that was Barry Hankerson. I think he had something to do with the release of the sex tape. I think that or or not the release of the sex tape to the public, but bringing it to the police. Mm -hmm. I think he might. I, I I think he might have had something to do with that because I think he did know. Um, what was going on. I think that has something to do with why there's no Ali music. We can get into that some other time, but I think he, you know, what, what was evident to me in watching this was like, like you were saying, like it was more, it was like a, I hate to use the word sex ring, but anytime you have collusion, every, anytime you have handlers and everybody knew their role, everybody had mm -hmm. a part to play. Mm -hmm. And that was evident from just listening to everybody and you hear these children and they basically like, and they seem to get younger and younger. You look at these children and you see the people, you know, adults around, everybody mm -hmm. had a role to play. Mm -hmm. There was, um, you know, most of the adults that were, um, most of the people that were on this docu-series just really disgust me. It was disgusting. It was oh really disgusting. His, the, um, um, one of his, uh, I guess it was like his personal assistant, Demetrius Smith, just talked about, you know, every time he was he on, laughed. He talked, laughing, he what? He was laughing to me. Like he, he, he was smirking the entire time. It, it drove me insane. Like he, this was a, this was a joke to him, you know, like he doesn't, he didn't take this serious, you know, and they interviewed his brother, Bruce, who was in jail. And he was like, you know what? We all have preferences. You know, I like older women. It just so happened that our, you know, I would like young, young can't even say women, girls. That was that's disgusting. Not that's not a preference. That's a sickness. It's like, dude, ain't you in jail for armed robbery? I, why? I just okay. Yeah. All so right. you know when when um he and Aaliyah did that um interview on uh Video Soul with Big Les, I used to watch yeah. that back in the day. Didn't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And they were they were, and I remember watching that. And I remember you too. Like, they matching Great Adventures outfits, Six Flag outfits on. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at like it's, uh, you know, I'm relatively the same age. So I think I'm a couple years older than she is, but I'm looking like this is kind of weird. But you know, honestly, I remember I never really dated older men, but a, a lot of my friends did. You know, and yeah. high school they, I, I think I was one. I'm telling you know, guys in their twenties, and then when you in high, like back then, you think it's you don't really think too much of it, but now you think back, like, what do you have in common with somebody in high school? You're an adult. Mm. That was just, just 
Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I kind of, I went down a rabbit hole the other day and was just going on YouTube and going down, um, just doing, you know, doing searches on the internet. And I found this interview, man. Of who? Um, it was, I don't want to name who, who the person is on YouTube, but she was just talking about information that was given to her by, and she's given to her by a, a source. She didn't want to name the source, but she's also interviewed um, several times um, R. Kelly's brother, Carrie. But mm -hmm. someone said that they walked in on um, R. Kelly and Aaliyah. Right. It was said in the in the in the uh, documentary. Well, no, not even that. On the mm -hmm. documentary, they said they um, he was having sex with her on a tour bus. But mm -hmm. on this YouTube uh, YouTube interview, I gotta send it to you. This YouTube interview, they said that they walked into um, a, they were in. I think it was a maybe R. Kelly's house or Aaliyah's house. I can't remember exactly whose house it was. But they walked into a room and R. Kelly was having sex with Aaliyah and her mother. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I've heard this. I've heard this before. Yeah. I, that is. Yeah. It's just Which, you know, I, I did. I remember hearing this before. Um, and it's, you know, just if you put together the, the pieces of this, because, you know, the, the, the our, um, what was I going to say? The, you know, the, the family has never really made too many statements. Um, but I did read a statement that her mother, that uh, Aaliyah's mother had had written on Twitter. And it was just, you know, just, it just was not true to me. So basically she said, let me see, because I, I want to pull it up. She said that she and her husband were always on tour with Aaliyah. They were always at her interviews. And this is a quote, at her interviews and every place she went throughout her entire career. So her, she was saying that, in other words, she was never alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, if she was never alone, how did they get married? That's not right. That's not true. It, the, what you're saying is not true. So that to me is that was really yeah, they got married. How did they get married? If you would, were you at the wedding? Then this is what I'm. This is what I'm saying. So if this is where her mother is coming from, then it's that's it's it's false. Clearly, it's false because we know now way more than we knew back then. Even though we, it was all rumors, now it's. It's solidified. I mean, mm -hmm. he married this, you know, Aliyah. The papers were forged, so her age showed that she was at the age of consent when she was not. And you know, they married because maybe they thought that she was pregnant. She ended up she wasn't, and then um, the marriage was annulled. Maybe by her family, maybe not. But they never spoke out too much about it. Now, put the twist on it with Barry Hankerson, which is Aliyah's uncle. That is her mother's brother, and that was Black Round, which was put together, the Black Round Records, which was put together to produce Alia. And, you know, if you go, it's the same thing. Like, if you go to Spotify, you go to iTunes today, you can't find any of her music other than AJ Nothing But A Number, other than what she did with R. Kelly. Everything is locked up with her uncle, who owns the rights to everything. So, mm -hmm. it's why I just, I'm just trying to understand if, you know, that's her mother and her father and her brother. You you mean to tell me her estate does not has not earned anything off of her music because you can't stream it. Now, you can you can download. I believe you can download some whole albums, mm -hmm. but I don't think you can get. Um, uh, I can't even remember which what couple albums. It's, it's not her whole catalog. Her catalog is owned by one person, mm -hmm. by her uncle. 
And then, you know, it was some crazy stuff with him because he was sued by this woman. I don't, girl, this is, it's a whole, we gotta. Some, I, I actually heard that, that they own the rights to R. Kelly's music. That her parents did? Mm-hmm. I I don't know that. I don't know. I've I haven't heard that part of it. Mm -hmm. Um I know that they won the lawsuit against the um the company that orchestrated the plane for her to go to the Bahamas and make the video which ultimately she didn't um that that plane crashed. Mm -hmm. They won a huge lawsuit from that. But in, um in terms of like Arkelly's music, I don't I've never heard that they've owned it and mm -hmm. they don't own her music. Hmm. That's interesting. Which is yeah, so I, I think there's some bad blood between her, the the her uncle and her mother. I mean, there has to be because then he he allowed you know Drake to use some of her music and and Chris Brown, which was terrible. I to me that was a terrible idea, and it just mm -hmm. you know shitting on her legacy by creating this music with people who were babies, you know, didn't know her and were babies when she was born, but. The sad thing is like her music, the legacy of is being lost to a generation because they don't really know her. It's, you know, this is the age of iTunes and the age of downloading music and you can't, her catalog is not available. Well, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear the song that Drake remade with her, but I think it would, was it a good song? No, I mean, it was, it. I, I mean, but my thing, I know we getting off the subject a little bit, so I want to get, but, but my, here's my, my opinion of it is, it's it's just creepy to me because if you you know they you know Drake has tattoos of her and I mean you think about it but really is I don't think it's any different than people you know um, sampling like Michael Jackson songs um, I think sampling is one thing but pretending like you singing or you rapping with them is another I, I don't but that, but that happens though I mean I, haven't you heard songs posthumous songs where people where it's like a collabo posthumously. Yeah, and maybe if they, because uh, Rick Ross and and Biggie, which I happen to like, I like, but mm -hmm. it just to me it sounds creepy. I just the feel of it, and you know because to me she had that angelic voice. It just I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't like it personally. I I mm -hmm. didn't like it, and it and it didn't do so well that they didn't. It was supposed to be like a whole album. They never did it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think even that because. What her what her family was saying is we don't approve of the project, but the uncle approved oh, of it. Mm -hmm. So there's there's got to be some enmity, some problems in be between them with that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but that being said, getting I don't I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. So back onto this docu series. So that was episode one and two. So episode three and four really went into um, the trial of um, well, this is when the the tape gets released of. Um, of him with this underage girl and he's urinating on her and doing all these sexual things with her. And it just so happened to be Sparkle's niece, which was one of his backup singers, like his protege. And um, that in itself, you know, watching her on screen, just. That was, just, that was the disgusting, most disgusting moment it right there. That's it just, because she had been with R. Kelly from the beginning. So he's doing all, all the stuff that he's doing is not, in secret, it's, it's all out in the open. Everybody knows what he's doing. You know what he's doing with these young girls. You see it. He's not hiding it from you. You see, you see, yeah. you see how he's treating his wife. How he's treating all. Yeah, because she sat there. First of all, Sparkle looked sparkly. She looked, I think, amazing. That being said, um, but that part where she said they were sitting, I guess, in the living room chilling, and R. Kelly's wife Andrea was in the room, and she Nothing. peeked out and said, "Huh." Yeah. 
Can I, can I get door. something to eat? Girl. Out. She had Why? been like a, a prisoner. That was... She said so that I, could I, I don't understand. I'm I'm really protective of my nieces and nephews and people in my family. Like I wouldn't bring them into certain situations. And why would you bring your your baby niece into a situation like that, where you know you can't you can't fully control it? Why would you? I just felt like she they her and these some of these parents just fed their babies to this wolf. It was, and it was I think you that. know I I think it's easy to say that and I and on the one hand I I I can agree with you but you know and I've had this conversation with other people that you know it's something when I mean I'm I'm not seeking fortune and fame like that but when you have this clearly he is by then a megastar and this megastar takes interest in you you know I'm I, I don't necessarily say you know they you know they did the absolute wrong thing because what would you do if this man is saying i'm going to turn you into a star and he has the ability to do so and then you put your family member on i mean it's uh, to me it's but not at, so at far the same time you're seeing you're seeing the other side of him you're seeing the musical genius of him but you're also seeing the dark demented side of him too and but then, then i also take a, a take a note from his ex-wife and i think she clearly explained it in a way that, you know, she said, you know, it wasn't until she had like escaped with her life basically. And she went through online and took a test to figure out, you know, are you being abused? She said out of the 17 questions, 15, I answered yes to. And that to me, you know, I have, I have seen that. And I've been in certain situations where you don't, you, until you were on the outside looking in, you have no idea or you cannot grasp the the gravity of the situation until you are at another perspective and i think you know just the way that you see first of all he's we talking about kids girls babies so already their capacity to formulate you know what's best for them is already exactly. at a it's, it's diminished because they're they're kids exactly so that's why it's it's the adults uh job to protect them got you but then but, then but, you but, I mean, even, you're, but even though if you're in certain if you're in certain situations and you don't you don't get the whole grasp of what's going on you have a gut and you get gut feelings and you can sense when something is not right but not everybody is intuitive and and can sense it as you think they do and that's what I that's what I know not everybody like when you sit there and be like girl that would have never been me exactly it would not have been you but for the next person you can't say you can't say that because you don't know. And, and I'm just, when you listen to these women, they're all victims. But, but even, you know. about specifically with Sparkle. She had been there from the beginning. She wasn't involved with him in a sexual way. She was there. And, and then she's the one who went to trial. I mean, she's the one who did when they when they came to get statements. And like she said, she's the one who testified and took the stand and her own family turned against her. That I money came that, in. But initially she introduced her niece. She she brought her niece into this ring. She she saw what he was doing with these young girls. She was there from the beginning. How did she, she was there from the beginning? Why would you bring your niece into that? I get it. But if if your niece wanted to be a rapper and you was hanging out with Drake and Drake said, bring your niece over and she's 12. Would you say no? I, I mean, just, and I see what he's doing with young girls. Absolutely. 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 If I, I, even though he's a megastar and he's this and he's that, he has money, but I see his dark and demented side. I see what he's doing to people. I see what he's doing to young girls. I am not going to feed my niece to him. Absolutely not. 
Well, well, kudos to you. I'm just saying everybody doesn't think like that. And and when you have that moment in front of you, I'm not making excuses for anybody, but I'm saying you have to understand people's, they have different capacities to, to think through certain things. And not everybody thinks on that level. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'm in agreement. But then again, we have the benefit of that knowledge, training, experience, all these other things. When you right there in the moment, because I mean, just take it collectively. We have known about this man's proclivities for years i mean and that's one thing i could say about this whole r kelly thing is he never hid it he never hid who he was because it was very evident in his music you can't say that you listen to you know aj nothing but a number and not think of aliyah at the time you can't say you know i listen to bump and grind and i think this man is i don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind seems like you ready like so you I think bring, we are, so with that being said, you bring your niece into this, and okay, so so, so so taking so taking to account what you're saying, the begin the the early years of of R. Kelly in the making. So maybe you don't quite know. Um, you hear some rumors, but you you're not quite sure he got acquitted. But fast forward into 2015 and 2016 and 2013, and you know one of the, these parents, um, one set of parents that lived in Orlando, took their kid to uh, our R. Kelly show, underage kids to our R. Kelly show, which I think is inappropriate, but hey, they allowed her to go on stage with R. Kelly. I just, and, and to hear this father talk, you know, saying, you know, well, I heard that he did this and I heard that he did that, but he was acquitted and, you know, I'm there with her and I know nothing's going to happen, but it did. It's like, I don't know that I would take a risk like that with my kid. I just don't think I would. Okay. And I... I understand what you're saying. No, 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 no. So let's 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 flip it. So you're telling me that if your son wanted to do X, Y, and Z and you had an end to this, you you had a connection to this, but this person uh that could put you on, put your son on, he has, you know, he does real heard he does real, you know, despicable stuff to little boys. Would you introduce your son to him? If it was a rumor or do I know definitively that this, these are the things that he do, he's done. And either, I think and, one, and in all, in all honesty, either one, you, either whether let, it's a let rumor me finish, let me, let me finish. Cause you asked the question. So I'm a, I want to answer that because what you said, just like that father said was that, yeah, I might've heard this stuff, but this is, this is something that would further my son's career and I'm going to be there every step of the way. And I think that's something, that's the parental instinct that will automatically kick in because you're like, it'll never be my kid. It's not going to be my kid that's going to be holed up in a room with this grown ass man by himself or by herself. That, that would never happen. But just like Aliyah's mother said in a statement, she's like, I was, we, my, between myself and my husband, we were always there for my daughter. We, we know that's not true. Exactly. It's the same thing. Like it's, and it's the, so, it's, it's you, the same. Question, but you didn't answer the question. Whether it's a rumor or whether you know it's for fact, would you do it? Whether it's a rumor or whether it's fact. I, I can't say that I, that I wouldn't do it. I, I can't say adamantly, no, I wouldn't do it. It's just like saying, you know what? Um, teachers feel on kids at school. So let me just not send my son to school anymore because these are the things that happen. Like, girl, things always happen. But if I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm there and I'm vigilant, then that's what I'm depending on. I'm I'm in my parental role. There's always going to be predators and perpetrators and okay, people out here that want to take advantage. That's like saying I would, you know, I have to send my child 
into the bath, into the public restroom because he's old enough to do that, but young enough where anything could happen. But right. I'm, I'm, I'm standing right outside the door. So right. if something right. jumps so off, you, I'm, I'm going to be right there. So you would still send, if, if you would still send your, if there was a teacher that there was a rumor about this teacher that was inappropriate with kids, you would, you would allow your son to go there, even though it's not been proven, but it's a rumor. You still would allow your, your son to go and, and be with this teacher? I, I'm I'm not gonna answer that with a with a denial and say no because I that girl that happens all the time like those things happen all the time not, not something girl. Not, not something you don't know anything about this teacher you know I'm going to investigate I'm gonna do my own investigation but at the same time you if you if you try to every little thing and to I'm all for being a parent sheltering your child and being there but. You sit. You try to nitpick and go through every single thing, every single I'm danger when your child that. walks I'm out of their room, out I'm of the, the front that. door, into the school. I'm not saying nitpick. You'll drive yourself crazy. And I'm speaking things. as a mother. I'm speaking I, as a parent. You can't. You you can't. You can't do. You can't live a life that way. So I am not saying. I'm not saying nitpick. I am saying there is a rumor that. X, Y, and D, X, Y, this person is, is into X, Y, and Z. There is a rumor. Not, not, I'm not saying that you can't send your kids anywhere because you, you're so overprotected, but I'm saying your kid wants to go to this place and the person that is running whatever program, mm -hmm. there's a rumor that he does X, Y, and Z or she does X, Y, and Z. You're going to tell me that you may still consider sending your son there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm saying absolutely. like that has happened. That has that has happened. I'm going to tell you when I was in high school, there was a rumor. It was two rumors. There was a rumor that one of the teachers was sleeping with a bunch of the boys. That was a, that was I mean, it was almost like it was more than a rumor because some of it had been proven. Did that mean that you uh, kid parents of the boys should take their kids out of the school because this was a rumor? Absolutely. Okay, okay, Di. I'm just saying you, it sounds good. Girl, it sounds good. I can't believe you taking the stance. I really I can't, can't believe I'm just I'm I'm talking as a, a, a parent who okay. I've I've been through some things and I've lived I've lived through some things. It's the okay. same thing. I had a I had a volleyball um a volleyball coach, and you know, there was rumors that you know she liked the girls and whatever, she's in the showers or whatever, like and everybody everybody knew. She ain't getting at me. At least I thought I, I believe I had the foresight. Like that's not that's not what I'm I'm engaging in. And parents knew it was a rumor. But do you go and we, you know, this let's uh burn pitchforks and, and, and hang her at the stake. Of course you do. Okay. I'm gonna you? tell you if if you decide to pick up that type of if you decided everything demands let me let me did, I, I'm, I'm all for investigation i'm not saying turn the blind eye everything i did not say everything I, okay. I did not say everything i never but, said everything I, i'm just i'm speaking from a level of as a parent and there's so many things that can happen. So you do your own investigation. You have to feel relatively comfortable in sending your child out the door every day. And you hope that the knowledge that you instilled in them and these things that they won't fall victim to. And you say a prayer and you make sure as much as you can. No, I don't want sexual predators around my child. But guess what? If you put in right now your area where you live, I guarantee you, you have 10 sexual predators within one. Uh -oh. Distance of, of you. Course. So what does that mean, Nye? Do you move? If you, do, if you, do you if move you, away? 
if you do this and you find out who these people are, do you put your child around these people? Girl, I'm just I'm just saying you got to be realistic because I'm I'm telling you right now I can go into my computer like any parent can and hold on, hold on. I understand that. Let me okay, but but what is your solution? Is your solution to move away because I have a sexual predator living down the street? Because I do. And like everybody does, we're, we're in, we're in close I, I am saying, proximity. I am only putting your child in a situation where you are not sure of the person that is going to be, um, um, in their, in their care. You said not, we say this again. I'm saying, I'm saying intentionally putting your child in the care of someone who may be, may do your child harm. Yeah. Okay. That in, intentionally. No, I'm not gonna hand him over That's to the. What world. I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's well, exactly and, then, saying. then no. But I. I but That's what, what I am saying is, when you decide to split the hair, and eventually, it's you can't split it, but so much. So I'm saying that. But what I'm saying is, you would not <laughs> intentionally put your child in harm's way. That's what I'm saying, right? No, I would not. But I think okay. what that father said was really instructive, and he said. I know all this other stuff I've been hearing, but I'm gonna be right here. So ain't nothing gonna jump off because I'm a, I'm going to be here. Well, something and good. Yeah, as something good. as something fantasized good. as it is, hold on. That that is a, that is essentially I'm gonna tell you as a parent. That's what you always think. Nothing can go on because I'm going to be right here. I'm gonna be right here. I'm gonna be right here. I think that's rolling the dice. I think that's rolling the dice. And it and it very well could be, but I, I'm saying it comes from a place where you're like, not on my watch, because I'm going to be right here. And I think that is just as Sparkle was sitting there and saying, look, I wanted him to do for her career what he was doing with mine. And that's my niece. And I'm going to be right here and come to find out. Look, it, just like his wife was saying, she was like, I don't understand. You know, there's a part of her that was like, when did he have time to do all of these things? He clearly made time. He, he clearly, clearly made time. Clearly made time. But that is the idea. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but as a as a parent, you're like, I'm I'm going to be right there. I'm 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 going to be involved. So nothing is going to jump off that I don't know about. But then look. How many children get sexually abused right under underneath the parents' nose? So it's a, unfortunately, it's something that we believe. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to be right there. Does it always happen the way that you that you foresee it? No, it does not. But I but but throwing all these people under the bus because they were doing in their minds what they what they thought was the right thing. I don't think is a is a great is the greatest place to start. Yes, there's a lot of people to blame for this, but understand like this man had a God complex. I think his ex-wife said it the best. He was great. He was a master manipulator. He was a narcissist. He's, he's all these things. And when you are on the outside looking in, you don't think that somebody could put the Swami to whammy over you like that. Like, no, I'm going to be I much smarter. I just, don't, I just don't see knowing all this stuff about him, whether it's true or whether you, it's just, we don't know it's true. I just don't see putting my family member in harm's way, regardless of what their aspirations are, regardless of that. I think the, the, their health and their, their well-being is more important than that. To me, I, I, think, I think it's just, I think you just, it's like Russian roulette. I agree with you. But then you also saw how Sparkle was the only family member that took the stand on behalf of her niece and even her own parents 
obviously they took payoffs and and refused to testify without testimony there's no case so you see how it's a whole it's this it, yeah it's it sounds really good but there are other factors at play so these people can be her parents could be bought people can be bought off it's okay i'm just I we don't we have to agree to disagree because I, I just don't I just don't no, see, I don't think we I, just, I don't think we necessarily disagree. I think we I don't disagree. I think it is a disagreement and it's okay, but I just I just <laughs> can't see that I'm taking this. I, I just don't see me taking and maybe it's because of you know certain experiences I've had, but I just don't see myself putting my any of my family members in harm's way if I have an an, an idea, inkling, a feeling, a rumor, or whatever that Whoever this person is is bad and has bad intentions. I just can't see myself intentionally putting my family in harm's way. I just and we're not disagreeing on that. I can't see myself intentionally doing that either. So I would not intentionally put any of my family members or myself in harm's way for for financial gain or not. And that's that's not I, that's not what I was saying. But in terms of like when you have a um, when there is some sort of predator in the midst and you're around and it. it you're going to always have that. That that was more of what I was saying. You're going to always have those situations where perpetrators, predators, people that prey on kids, they're going to be around. They, and they're your, and kids and your family members from that. That's all I'm saying. You have to protect your family. That's and you do your absolute best. But obviously it doesn't always work. But you got to but you have to do your best. You can't control everything, but you have to do your best. I I, I I agree. I agree. We're not, we're not, I don't want to say we're, we're not in disagreement on that. I agree. I agree with that. Okay. I'm just, maybe I'm a little more lenient on the, the, the people who maybe they don't come off as victims to you, but they, to me, they are more victims than even maybe they realize, even though everybody had a role to play, everybody had a part. But even the dude, and I'm, and and you can fight me on it. But even the dude that was smirking and laughing, he made me sick. Demetrius Smith, which was like his supposedly like his homeboy, and he's laughing like, you know, I changed the paperwork and I made Aaliyah 18 when she was really 15, and you know, we went and got got him married. You know, like he is, he was manipulated as as adult as he was, and as he should have been in consent and of sound mind and been able to like make a rational decision. I'm pretty sure he was participating in his underage girls things too. <sighs> Yeah, well, I don't, I can't leave that off the table. Maybe, maybe he was. It just, whew, I, I think it just, it really, it showed his sickness. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. The, 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 a, a huge light, a spotlight on the man spiraling out of control sickness, you know, where even dressing up one of the girls as a tomboy, you know, cutting her hair off and making her wear baggy clothes and making her look like a little boy. And God knows what, you know, what that was all about. Just the whole, the whole thing, even with the, with the um, girl who was a part of the sex tape, um, you know, when she clearly, she was in like what middle school, she was a little, little, now as a little girl, mm -hmm. um, just the, just the whole, you know, all the of whole thing of that. Sick, you know. They said I think at, at one point in the um the docu series, um I forget the guy's name, but he was in like the one of the first two episodes. But he said, you know, they go into the he would go into the studio, and there are different rooms in the studio, and each no. room the lights would be off, and every room there was a girl waiting for him, a young girl waiting for him. So he just would take his pick. Just, just the, the, the sickness of it all. So I am, you know, at, at first I had a hard time separating or a hard time 
you know, do you separate the man from his art? And that was like an ongoing debate with me. And, you know, I mean, I'll be really, really honest. I have, I've had a hard time just, you know, not listening to R. Kelly. I really did. I mean, when you think like he was really the soundtrack to our teenage years growing up, um, that you can't have a, a reminisce. A What's that? People, I said a lot of people had a hard time. Yeah, but I, but I think in watching this documentary, I'm I'm pretty much I'm I'm where I need to be with it, you know, because it just like I said, I he never hid who he was when you look when you listen to the music now, and it just like you know some of these lines, and I'm listening into the music. It's like I think he was very open with you know his his role as a sexual predator. It, he did not he didn't hide it. Um, it was very evident. And, you know, I'm, it, it started me to thinking about, you know, the age of consent, you know, and how even when you look at like the different states, everybody has a pretty different interpretation of what age is it where it's OK to have sex with a, a person? You know, at what age? And it, it kind of, you know, there's some states that have laws where it says, you know, if there's a difference between three or four years or, you know, the perpetrator is is 18 and then the victim or alleged victim is like two years or less, then it's not statutory rape. And, you know, we have all these different ways of interpreting it. I think that's an, that's an issue. Um, another thing I was looking at is, you know, in light of R. Kelly, I've heard people on social media and, you know, they want to know, you know, why um, Woody Allen is, you know, because this this has been happening. In other words, this has been happening since before time. We've always seen this where, you know, particularly adult men have engaged in sexual relationships with young girls. With, and it with happens children. all over the world because you hear about these young child brides, you know, getting married, you know, little girls getting married to 50 year old men. So right, it's a it is a global, it's a worldwide problem. But I think in watching this documentary, what you know, what really resonated with me is that you know this is I don't want to talk about them. I and I I realize this it's a plight all around. But I think this just shows like it's about our black girls because we have a way, and even in our own community, how we blame young black girls Mm -hmm. for you know really getting into sexual maturity very fast Mm -hmm. you know and i don't know if you remember i just know when i you know growing up for me it was almost like commonplace the black girls sexually mature faster than everybody else you know so you know whether we were getting our periods early our breasts were um developing earlier you know we were always kind of looked at as we were way sexually more active at, at a younger age, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was, and I, even in our community where, you know, for the boys, it's okay, but you know, you warn the boys about the girls cause girls mature faster. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're warning the boys about how, you know, these girls are like entice you. And it's like, you're talking about children, you know? Yeah. And another thing is, even though, you know, her body may be mature, her mind does not. And there is a difference between, you know, sexual maturity and, and maturity of age. And we don't, you know, and in our society as well, you know, others, we don't really take, we don't take a look at that, like break that down. We have, it's, this is to me, R. Kelly is like, R. Kelly is our problem. And that is what I want us as a people to acknowledge. Yeah. He is, he is a product of his environment and his environment is the village. It is a whole. So 
whether he was molested as a child and that was swept under the rug because he said, you know, he was molested by family members. So male and female, that has been, you know, what was what was said mm-hmm. by family, you know, and that was something that happened in his childhood mm-hmm. that was kept a secret for how long? Because we deal in secrets in our own communities. We sure enough do. I promise you we do. And it's, you know, it's, and that, it's killing us from the inside out. And and that's that's what I want to address. And I really wanted to bring to light. And that is what this documentary to me addressed. Because it just so happened that this man became a mega celebrity on this global worldwide scale. But in reality, he's Robert Kelly and is many Robert Kelly Kelly's in our community, mm-hmm. you know, in, in black communities and white and, and white people living in black communities, wherever across the United States, across the world. So the only thing that shown a spotlight was his celebrity, but it's not uncommon. The story to me is not it, it really that isn't. uncommon. It really isn't. You don't, ha- you don't need, you don't need to be a millionaire to do this kind of damage. It is done every day in poor yeah. neighborhoods. And, and just our, it's right. Hard. And just our culture of, you know, we protect the villain and then we devalue our girls. Absolutely. You know, we cheapen them. We we over sexualize them. Mm-hmm. We you know blame them. We cause. We said they must have enticed them somewhere. It's, it's the way that they dress. You know, mm-hmm. your skirt is too short. And and I you know I've heard mothers even, and it's 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 one thing you want to protect your girls. You know, so you don't want her necessarily, you know, being fourteen and looking like she's twenty and twenty five years old. And you I get understand that. the attention that's that's going to come with that. Right. So it's it's almost like a fine line because I, I respect the mother who has to look out for that for her daughters. But it's she's doing that because she knows, you know, the 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 minds of men. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I just I know you said you, you know, you didn't but you didn't date older men. But I I remember and I'm I'm really trying to come to terms with that because I remember just, you know, in growing up high school and 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 even like ends of middle school, you know, there were always older guys. I remember being in high school. My high school was like the joint. I remember, you know, that was when Jodeci was getting big and they, they actually used to come to my high school, Devante Mm -hmm. and Dalvin and pick up girls and take them into the city. You Mm -hmm. know, I remember I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself now Kwame and like redhead Kingpin and like they would come up to the school. Oh, Ed OG and the Bulldogs, like they would come into town. They would come up to my high school and pick up girls, you know, girls who, could not drive, didn't have licenses, and they, you know, driving off in, you know, what are they, Nissan 3SXs and, you know, all these other cars with with these celebrities. So I remember that. I remember, you know, just, it wasn't... I, mean, I um, didn't personally, I, it wasn't personally something that I did, but a lot of my friends did. And, you know, I remember, you know, being in high school and, you know, there was, a, there was a, these guys that I don't even know where these guys just came from out of nowhere. I don't know where the hell they came from, but me and my friends, we used to hang with them. I, I never dated any one of them, but we used to have, like, we used to have hotel parties with these dudes. We're like 15, 16 years old. And these guys are like 26, 27, 28. And I'm like, was and, I there? I'm trying to think. No, no I was in high school. <laughs> I was in high school, but I remember being in the hotel room, just sitting down um, and all my friends are drinking or whatever. And I'm just looking around this room. Like, this is so fucking odd. It just felt weird. It just felt yeah. weird. Cause I'm thinking like, what? And supposedly these guys went to Hampton University. And I'm thinking like, what do you need? What do you want with these little girls? You're in college. Like, what, do you, what do you want with these little girls? That's, 
Yeah, and you know, I remember, you know, God bless the dead, but like we used to hang out with like Chris Lighty and you know, it was like the violator crew when when before they were like the real violators. But I'm like, you know, at the time, yeah, I was like 15 years old. Same thing. So they had to be in the early mid twenties, you know, and, and same thing. I'm looking back like what? I mean, we were fun, but we, I mean, so awkward, but just thinking, you know, everything, but like, what could you want from a 15 year old other than to get in her panties? Like, I mean, we weren't having intellectual conversations at best. (laughs) (laughs) We were not, I don't know. I can't even tell you what my conversations were about. <laughs> Reeboks, getting all the color Reeboks of the rainbow and lining them up in my closet. That was my goal in life. So just the just the idea, you know, and that is I, I think is something that we um you know we 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 foster that in our in our communities, just mm-hmm. that whole dynamic, you know, where we really do over sexualize young girls. Yeah, you know, and who um who um she said growing up she said she was called a whore before she even had sex she said just yeah, I mean, because she had she was overly developed you know she was voluptuous and whatever mm-hmm. people just sexualized her and said she was doing she was like i had i didn't have sex for years you know yeah, i mean I was, I, was like, I, I remember that being a stigma in high school like and no that was middle school like if you got called a hoe Girl. and you not even been doing anything but if you were called a hoe that shit stuck with you mm-hmm. you know like you might as well be out here really hoeing because the, the once once somebody called you hoe and it could have been you know you kissed the dude it might not have been anything or you know you wore something you if you got called a hoe i just remember like that was like we we got to do better. I think that this has definitely opened the conversation, um, but we need to shine some light in these dark places that we have. Because like I said, I think R. Kelly is is our problem. Most definitely. I don't want to hear about Roman Polanski did this and Woody Allen did that and Thank Harvey Weinstein. I don't want to hear about that at all. Just like I don't, you know, when, when uh, Bill Cosby was going to trial and going to jail and everybody was saying, well, what about this person? Yeah, what about... but. I don't care about them. I care about our black men and our black families and our black communities. That Thank is my you. whole concern. That's Thank it. you. And and to me, just by bringing up the mother names because of their the skin color, you are automatically devaluing our black girls. Again, right. all lives mattering our black women and black girls. That's what you're mm-hmm. doing. Out mattering. Exactly. Exactly. So that is that's what I want for this conversation. I mean, it, the, the whole thing in in closing it was very hard to watch especially at the end um mm-hmm. especially when it became very graphic and you know there was one particular female and she was talking about the sexual escapades with the with 14 year olds and and 16 mm-hmm. year old girls it just i mean it the the sickening of it and you know i think we are we are almost a no judgment zone here you and <laughs> that's what i'm almost, saying podcast. <laughs> pretty much Pretty much, you know? I, I, I can be honest. Right now, I'm in total judgment mode. Right now, but, exactly. but I think this, you know, we can we we can be very open and fluid about a whole lot of things. But this right here, yeah, this I'm tolerant for. I just, you know, I've had certain experiences growing up that just make me make this kind of situation very intolerable for me. So I came to grips with R. Kelly years ago. I, you know, it, you know, right when um. 
he got married to, I guess it was right around his trial. And I was like, you know what? There's some, there's some, I, I don't think I ever watched the video. I maybe saw like snippets they would have or like maybe pictures of the video with this girl. I don't think I ever saw the actual video, but just that alone, I was like, I, I, there's, I cannot listen to his music. I cannot. And now he's just really, I think if I had an opportunity to, to put my hands around his neck and squeeze, I would do it. Yeah, I, I think the only option is really, you know, put him in, put him in jail. This is, I don't people, know why people, this man is free. I can't believe that a jury of 12 individuals found this man not guilty. Yeah. With a and video you know, that there, was clearly. There was a, um, there was a little snippet of an interview of one of the jurors. He sounded like a foreign guy and, you know, just his tone from the jump. I just don't think he was going to ever believe any, any, any testimony against R. Kelly, the way he talked about the, uh, the victim, it was like, he was yeah. never going to believe, you know, if she said he did it, he was never going to believe it. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that just. <sighs> anyway. Oh my God. I feel like I just really have to cleanse my palate. Can I tell you that I have some sage that I'm going to set up and I have to sage my, my room. I have to no, open this, windows, let some air in. My soul to like to the core and just my, my timeline on Facebook has just been, and luckily my timeline is very curated. So a, a lot of people, when people start talking bullshit, they just really either get, you know, unfiled or deleted. Cause I just don't want to see it. You know, my timeline is very positive and we're funny and we, you know, mm -hmm. we it sometimes, but you know, there's no disrespect in women. There's no disrespect in black men on my timeline. And I, I just, you know, so I haven't had too many people at all really, you know, supporting R Kelly, but you know, just hearing women's testimony about what they went through and their, you know, um, being sexually assaulted, assaulted and being in certain man manipulative relationships. And, you know, it's just, it's so sickening and disheartening. And I need a woosah mm -hmm. from this. Cause I swear my soul right now, I just feel like it's a, it's a rock in my soul right now. It's just, I yeah, feel I definitely have to um, release my chakras or something. Like it's, it was, it was so it, exactly like I just, my soul feels heavy. So hopefully we can move on and, and make this a little lighter. Yeah. But that was a lot. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and I think we can do that by just moving to the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I tell you times like this is when you just need a good dick down right now. <laughs> Ain't no shame in this game. All right. We're going to get into the weekend report. Okay. So <laughs> this is a question that we actually got to our um, Instagram. So for all late listeners, um, ladies and gentlemen, please, our Instagram is that's what I say three, like the number three. So you can always DM us. I'm telling you, we get all kinds of DMs, but so let's, let's keep it kosher. But any questions that you have that you want um, me and I to answer related to the weekend D, please send it to our IG. That's what I say three. So, okay. Getting right into it. This is what we got. We got so my soon-to-be husband had a group chat with a few of his friends and they regularly send each other pornographic memes and pictures. It's mostly of women, but sometimes it's really, really crazy stuff like rough sexual acts and killings. She said, and the conversations are always ultra pornographic and sometimes violent. This is very disturbing to me. I want my fiance to leave the group. He says that it's a private group chat and it isn't hurting anybody. I at least want him to talk to his friends and stop this behavior. I think he could be instrumental in changing the convo during this Me Too movement area. What do y'all think? Girl. 
What do you think? Why is she going to this man's phone, first of all? <laughs> this, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'm now what do you think? Because I'm I'm gonna break it down, but I have a feeling we might be on the same page. So I I I don't think you should be in his phone invading his privacy for one thing. Um now I'm in I'm in a couple of group chats myself um with some friends and what i want my somebody else my significant other looking through it no because we talk about some raunchy ass shit you know what i'm saying <laughs> so that kind of stuff you know you need an outlet for certain things how how the pornographic stuff i don't mind because you know whatever but mm -hmm. violent stuff like how what kind of violence is it like you know and what is her husband saying I, I guess they're just, I mean, I don't know. She doesn't really get into detail. It just sounds like it's its a whole menagerie of stuff that he and his boys kind of exchange. So, I mean, like you said, I think number one is why she in his phone. My grandmother, may she rest in peace, always says, seek and you shall find. And that has always stuck with me. Like, if you are looking for something, which do not look for wrong or evil. You will find it if you do. If you measure it to your neighbor, he will measure back to you. So I... I'm over here like bird box with my with my um with my eyes blindfolded. I don't want to see nothing that is gonna send me somewhere. So how about this? I just I I don't want you in my phone. You're not gonna be in um I'm not gonna be in your phone. I think that's the number one place to start, you know. Um and then I think, you know, it's it's kind of like taking barbershop talk to the next level. That's what it sounds like to me, you know. Mm -hmm. You go in a barbershop. It's funny because sometimes I'll take my son into the barbershop and immediately the conversations change. You know, they're not as free. they're not as free. They, you know, whatever they was talking about before is out the window out of respect for me. And I can understand that. But it, it makes everybody uncomfortable. I want them to be, be comfortable and, and talk the way that you normally talk. I think, like you said, we all kind of need an outlet for that. Um, look, I, this whole podcast is a, a group chat. Like, I mean, damn. I a lot of it, what, you, what she probably read is a lot of posturing. You know what I'm saying? Like, they may be saying yeah. that. I actually do. Like, a lot of stuff that I say in real life in my group chats on, I be exaggerating that shit sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, hey. to make the conversation fun, you know. Hey. So, I ain't gonna ride that big dick all night. Just five minutes, you know. It's only five minutes. Right, I can go to sleep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was really fucking It was more like 15 minutes. minutes. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah, so and I I agree. There's mostly like just let him have his outlet. Um you know, this is not a, a deal breaker. It just really, if it really gets under your skin like that, then it, that to me all the more means you shouldn't be looking at it. And as long as it's not hurting anybody, you know, he's not soliciting sex in his group chat. They're not doing anything that's harmful. They're really just talking. Just leave it at that. You know, now it sounds like it, sounds like it gets gruesome. Like maybe they exchange some other stuff. I don't know. People have fetishes. Mm -hmm. I have all kind of stuff, but more or less, it sounds like your boys, you know, right. his, that's his boys. They going back and forth. I remember um, they just trying to I, have, each other. I have a friend who has a friend and, you know, all he sends them is pictures. It's like them. I call them peekaboo pictures where it looks like a beautiful, beautiful woman. And then as the camera pans down, it's a big old dick that <laughs> boomerangs out to your face. <laughs> <laughs> be like that's good for your ass looking at that shit. <laughs> <I got you. laughs> but but they they send those to each other like all day like it just it's it's funny i guess it's it's funny 
but people can you can look at it like you know it's inappropriate yeah it's inappropriate but it is funny so just i think just leave it at you really can't censor him because if that's where you started to censor Mm -hmm. you know trust me that shit always backfires nobody wants to be censored um in anything so Mm -hmm. don't uh don't do it she did have some you know what she was saying about the me too movement but like don't make him a martyr for the me too movement if that's not this is not the place to me for him to posture up and, and stand up is on his group chat. You know, like, hey guys, hey guys. <laughs> you know, how is he in real life? Is he if he is he violent in real life? Is he, you know, um disrespectful to women in real life? If that's not what he is doing in real life, let this man live. Exactly. Uh, let I, having fun. I agree. I agree. Like you need you need you do need a release, you know, and as long as it's tell him that she saw it. I don't well, it sounds him. like they had a conversation about it because oh, she wants him to leave and he's telling her, like, it's not hurting anybody. Oh, now so <laughs> it sounds like they had a conversation about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, That's way too much. I, I just, yeah, yeah I, I think, um, sis, please get out of his phone. Mm-hmm. Let him have his his little free time. Long as he's not soliciting sex and, you know, which don't even be checking for that. Just trust that he's doing the right thing. So. Yeah. And leave it alone. Goodness. <laughs> then you want to be going to the barbershop, sitting in his lap while he's getting his hair cut. <laughs> Waiting in the car. Uh-uh. <laughs> that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> okay. Your man, not your son. <laughs> Ooh, all right. All right. Moving on. Yeah. So where are we? Um, I guess we have the I reminisce, I reminisce. Yes. What you got? What you got? So this episode is a bit different. Um, typically we really reminisce about old school hip hop, um, artists and songs and such, but I really, just because of, you know, this week's topic, I really just want to feature Aaliyah and just kind of, you know, give her some shine and uplift her, you know, even though she's not with us anymore. Um, I just kind of wanted to, you know, feature her this week. So my reminisce is Rock the Boat. Um, it was the, her last video she did um, before she passed. Um, I think her this song came out like in, in 2002. And I, re- I remember this so... This, yeah, was it 2002? On January 2002, the single was. Okay. Um, and I, I, rem- I remember the day, and you know, honestly, I wasn't a huge Aaliyah fan when she was alive. Um, I did like, I did like her music, but I really became a fan um, when she passed on. Um, but I remember when she, um, I got the news that she passed. I was leaving. I used to work at this Cuban restaurant in Baltimore, and I've just gotten off of work. I remember what was the name of that restaurant? Babalu. Babalu. Yes. <laughs> yep. In the power plant. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 So I, um, I, my shift was over, and I was leaving. And I got the news and I ran back and I was telling all, you know, all my friends and we were just in like in disbelief, you know, you know, we know that we're, we're immortal and, you know, we, we are going to die. We're not immortal. You know, we're going to die, but it was just the way she died and she was just so young and you just didn't expect it to happen. It just, it just shook me to my core. Um, when that happened, that video was just, it was a beautiful video, you know, with the scenes of her underwater looking so angelic and. Oh, so I, you know, I wanted to feature at this, um, on my reminisce this week. So, yeah, I, I this, it, it, like you said, it is bittersweet, especially in light of this whole R. Kelly thing and, you know, how her legacy to me wasn't, um, you know, it was, it was hard to watch, mm-hmm. um, that whole thing. And I just remember 
you know, these are moments in our life. Like I remember where I was when I heard that she had passed away. I believe it was in August of 2001. So it was actually one month before 9-11 had happened. Um, and I just remember, like you said, it, it, it kind of, it reminds you of your mortality because she was young. I was a huge fan of Alia while she was alive and just hearing that this, you know, that she had been taken in a plane crash. It was like, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that, that it had happened. Um, mm -hmm. and I just remember seeing this video cause it came out some months you know, that was a very tumultuous time for for us, you know, because that was it was her death. Um, then 9-11 happened. Then, um, it, you know, it was just a it was a somber time for America. Yeah. Just a, just a mm -hmm. you know, the, the feeling you could you could cut it with a knife. And just um, when this video came out for a long time, I couldn't watch it because mm -hmm. I, I would cry. I still to this day when I when I happen to listen to some of her music and, you know, you have to have it on CD because you can't you can't stream her music on, on YouTube. Well, again, outside of watching a YouTube video, if you wanted to just, you know, stream her music on any of these platforms, you can't. It's her her library is not there. Um, so but just listening to it, you know, I actually introduced my son to her music. And it's amazing because her music is it transcends time and you know she was she was a beautiful young girl she's a she had a very angelic voice yeah and it's you know i, I watched um and everyone that talked about her and you see you know behind the scenes videos of her she just seemed like a really cool person to be around very pleasant um you know everyone just seems to love her she was like the baby girl of you know everybody called her baby yeah, they called the baby girl yeah it was i mean to this day i still i get choked up sometimes like i'll have a ali a moment and i'll start listening to a lot of her music and it just sends me sends me into a place mm -hmm. so rest in peace baby girl um you know, her legacy lives on yep so that is my reminisce um rock the boat rock the boat oh my goodness i loved it all right all right moving on where are we all right so we have to support black businesses and woo, woo. this is the time where we you know we just highlight a black business around um in the country so this week um i wanted to focus on kwanzaa crawl, crawl even though it is after kwanzaa um this is a, a one-day event that happens in new york and it's uh it was started by uh carrie Cotet and crystal stark and it's a really cool idea so what they do is they have about um i don't know maybe like 40 or so uh, black restaurants in Brooklyn and also in um, Harlem that participate and what is essentially it's a bar crawl where you pay You know, you pay a ticket you get a, um, a wristband and you just kind of bar hop to all these black owned businesses and you support them You buy food you buy drinks and you listen to the music with the DJs. It's really really cool So I wanted to shout them out their um, website is called uh, Kwanzaa Qual I can't even say this Crawl.com. Um, and if you go on their website, it, they have um all the black uh, all the black bars and restaurants in Brooklyn. They also have them in um, you know, in Harlem. So if you're ever in the city, if you live in New York or if you live in Harlem or if you're visiting, definitely go to their website and you know, support our black businesses. So I just want to give them a quick little shout out. Gotcha. Okay, kwanzacrawl.com. All right. So we have come to the end. Before we get to the end, though, I just want to 
want to just say something that we are in 2019. Um, now I know you had a great New Year's. We bought in the, the new year. So, mm -hmm. You know, I was here in Miami. You were in New York. Um, but this is a this is a milestone for us here. That's what I'm saying in the podcast, because we are we have entered a new in, into a new year. We are coming up on our one year anniversary anniversary. I want to make that uh, huge. So in the upcoming weeks, you know, you guys just listen out because I want to do something special. Um, but this is this is big. And I want us to just uh, move forward with some things that we have put in place. You know, this, like I said, well, this started as a, just an idea, just kind of a conversation between you and I, and it has grown. Our followers um, have been amazing. And we've seen, girl, the last post that you did with the Kiki Palmer, we had almost 30,000 views. That yeah. is just like blowing my mind. <laughs> Me too. I keep looking at it. I keep giving all these care about this shit, y'all do. Like, what in the world is going? Is this our account? <laughs> but it's but it's beautiful. I mean, I, I see the traction. I yeah. see you, you know, you guys are out there engaging and listening and sending us questions. And it's just it's it's such a beautiful thing to know that y'all actually care about this shit we gotta talk that we talk about. <laughs> Y'all care? What? It's 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 a beautiful thing. So I just wanna I wanna thank all of our listenership um, for that. So look, we've come to the end. Uh, you can subscribe to that's what I'm saying. The podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastPod, TuneIn, and Spotify. Of course, family, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Visit that's what I'm saying. The podcast.com to learn more. Send us questions and comments. As always, we have to shout out our super, super duper producer. Who's that now? Vegas World Inc. You can check him out on Instagram. Check him out on Twitter. He also has a podcast, Hip Hop Now. Um, thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and liking us on social media. Until next week, take care, y'all. Take care.